Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause, the podcast for growth-oriented entrepreneurs and executives who aspire to create positive change in the world. Are you in business for more than just profit? Then like and subscribe today and join our channel to become a hustler for a cause. Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause. Today we are honored to have special guest Robert Paulson. Rob redefines what it means to have purpose at the center of your business with status sports, but his desire for impact doesn't end there. He brings his entrepreneurial experiences of great success and setbacks to a personal level as an executive coach and also volunteers at his local Make-A-Wish chapter in New York. Rob, You've accomplished some great things and have an amazing story to share. Thanks so much for coming on and welcome to the show. It's great to be here with you, Sean. Thank you. Cool. Tell me a little more about how it all started for you and how you found your way to where you are now. The question is simple, right? The answer isn't as simple. It started, it wasn't necessarily in the brochure, right? What is? My journey began when I was you know, in the financial world, I guess it started earlier than that, but in my financial world, I experienced a lot of success and I had residency in the States and the Middle East, and I was doing a lot of traveling and making really good money, achieved all my, my goals in life. And then the markets changed and I didn't. And I experienced greed firsthand. And that part of my life ended. Through the process of, of a part of me ending, a different part of me had an opportunity to come out and grow. And that's really when things started to change for me. I spent some time focusing on me. I studied in New York City with some great teachers, Stephen and Rachel uh, Houghton Leeds. And I learned a lot about NLP, which is the stuff that you would hear maybe from other people like Tony Robbins and, and other professional people out there, is this idea of what success is, the structure of it, what we think and uh, what we do, how we behave, and getting fit, really looking after myself. And through that, I discovered there was a part of me that really enjoyed working with people and helping them to become better and more successful in life. And things just keep unfolding, just keep getting better. Wow, that's great. Can you tell me a little more about, are there any like big challenges that you had to face there and had to overcome? Challenges, absolutely, many of them. And they don't seem to go away as you overcome <laughs> one. There, there seems to be another. I used to think that I was able to overcome challenge, that life would be free of them. But the longer you go through life, you start to realize that challenges are a part of life. And they're things that we should really embrace. Because through every one of my challenges, I can say honestly, I've grown. I've grown a lot through challenges and setbacks and quote unquote failures. So I've had challenges my whole life. My first challenges were when I was younger and I didn't really enjoy school the way it was back then. And I was very challenged paying attention and being present and, and learning. You know, I left college early. It was a big challenge for me. I left with friends and we went cross country and I experienced life. And that really opened up my eyes that there was really so much more to life than just what I was experiencing. That was one of my first challenges. And, you know, another challenge was, is 
you know, my first endeavor in the business world. I, I worked for an investment company that was closed down and it was uh, quite an, an embarrassing moment in my life and learned a lot about trust and, and I learned a lot about money and, and myself. And it was just a number of challenges that just really kept coming my way. But I've learned to reframe those challenges as opportunities, opportunities to learn and grow. Because it's very cliche, Sean, as you know, when we hear about challenges and obstacles and how we have to overcome them, yep. you know, we, we tend to agree that, oh, they're great. But when you really experience them and you can transform yourself through them, can you really say how wonderful they really are? And they are not necessarily cliche. They're a very integral part of, of personal growth. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I empathize a lot with your story too. I mean, I kind of grew up and like had no idea what I wanted to do and tried everything. I, I talk about it a lot, but I've had like over 30 jobs just like figuring my way out to what I wanted to do. There's a lot more depth to your story too, right? That I mean, I know we don't have time to go into all of it, but just during that transformation and that change from leaving the financial world to starting your own business, you know, having a kid at the same time and taking that jump to say, you know what, I'm not going to just work for someone else again and keep stability. I'm going to move towards this entrepreneurial life. What was that like for you? Were there any questions or challenge, like just even overcoming that like mental hurdle to go into a riskier path, having a young one on the way? It was frightening. When I left the world that I knew as being the only world that was my life, and I was starting a new world, I was frightened. Thank goodness my wife was very supportive. We had one child, we had another child on the way. I made a decision that I wasn't gonna jump back up on the horse that threw me off, which in the past, you know, as a trader, you get thrown around, you get back up and you ride again. But something was different. I was 40 years old at the time and I didn't feel fulfilled. I reached every goal that I ever set, made millions of dollars, ran, you know, a company that I built from my garage to a hundred million dollar business. Mm -hmm. And I just kept achieving more, but something wasn't right. And, and I almost feel like life was communicating to me, like giving me signals that this isn't who you are. There's more to life. And I just kept pushing it away. Right. Then yeah. finally just ripped the, literally the floor from underneath me and said, do I have your attention now? Yep. So I was getting signals along the way that even though I was making lots of money, reaching every goal I ever had, homes, vacations, money, like everything, you can imagine, very grateful for it, but it wasn't entirely success for me. Yeah. So making the jump was difficult. I didn't really have a lot of answers. And the best way to explain it is like jumping from a cliff and learning how to fly on your way down. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. It was just having the confidence to know that I'd figure it out, but I didn't know exactly how. And the only way to do it was to jump and figure it out as you do it. Yeah. For a lot of people, rightfully so, it's very uncomfortable to do that. And maybe because of the nature that I grew up in, always taking chances and taking risks, I became comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's another cliche that we hear, but it was frightening, Sean. If it wasn't for my wife supporting me and my kids and other family, I don't know what I would have done to be direct, but it was difficult, very difficult. I'm very glad that I did it. Yeah, I mean, and, and things have been working very well since. And I think now moving forward, right, you're continuing to, you're starting to like challenge the way things are done and like the way business is done with status sports. 
the example I think of, right? When a, when a business leader hears the word sustainability, what comes to mind typically is like responsible sourcing, eco-friendly packaging, or maybe like changing workplace policy, something like that. But with status sports, you're reimagining what purpose and sustainability both mean for a business. Can you share a little more about why that is? Yeah, I enjoy talking about status a lot. You know, through my endeavor with my previous world being in the financial arena, I, I really became open to what's possible when I was in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember being at one of the nicer hotels there and walking out of the water and looking over the hotel and there it was, this opportunity, you know, status for it. It became really clear to me. And that clarity transformed because I wanted to be a part of something. I wanted to be a part of something that made a positive difference. And that's very cliche. Many people want to change the world, make a positive difference. Mm-hmm. Um, really something inside of me was saying, this is for real. You're going to make a difference in the world. You're going to help make a difference in the lives of millions of people around the world uh, through a brand, creating something that is very helpful for people. So I look at status almost as like a reminder, right? That we should be doing good things for ourselves and others. That's really what success is all about. But when you bring up, you know, sustainability, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways of looking at sustainability. And sustainability to me has a lot to do with creating a business that's going to help me grow and it's going to help others grow too. Mm-hmm. And doing it in a way where we will create revenues, which, which is the sustainable part. There's a lot of organizations out there, nonprofit and other great, great organizations that are doing good things for others. And part of the challenges is how to make that sustainable, how to not always be you know, looking to raise money, but how to create a model of doing well that also generates revenues at the same exact time to create this, you know, sustainability, to be there for the long term. So when we created Status Sports, it was creating an environment of sustainability through creating a product, which is apparel, high-end athletic apparel made in America, represents the American dream, all of those great things. But we needed for that to generate revenue to become sustainable so that we can go out there and create these youth fitness programs in schools throughout America and then around the world. So that to me is a really, really big opportunity to make a difference in the world is working with kids and reintroducing sports and not only just sports, but working on your mind, mm-hmm. you know, and working on your nutrition. I think bringing those things together will help kids to really feel good about themselves, feel energized, so that when they go out there in the world, they're strong, happy, and healthy. And I think that's a good starting point. You know, if you're going to go out there and do something different and change the world, it's likely that you'll want to be strong, happy, and healthy so that you can go out there, so that you're sustainable when you go out there in the world, which is a very challenging environment. So sustainability from a point of a business generating revenue, sustainability from an individual being strong, happy, and healthy going out there in the world. Um, so sustainability to me takes on a couple of different roles. Yeah, I know you touched on it a little bit, but yeah, what you're doing with like the youth programs, I think it's like a fundamental shift in what gym class meant as like a kid growing up. 
you know, to me, gym class as a kid was like, go out there and like throw the Frisbee for 45 minutes and then go back in. Tell me more about it. I don't want to take the words out of your voice there. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. Thanks. I'm super excited every time I have the opportunity to talk about it. You know, status sports is apparel mm -hmm. made in the States, modeling the American dream. That's the, uh, the business side of it. We're going a step further and we're creating a national youth fitness program, which hasn't launched yet, but we're building it right now. We're building it out. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into one school, then we're going to go into more than one school and all schools around the States, do it on the weekend, not interfere with the curriculum and, and all those other obstacles. Mm -hmm. But inside this program, this national youth fitness program, we're going to focus on the three pillars of success, what I reference them as. And part of that is physical activity to become strong physically. By doing body movement, um, no weights, just using your body and developing a, a regime for doing that consistently. So we'll spend a little bit of time, 20 minutes doing a workout, becoming strong, and then we'll break out into another group and we'll work on building your confidence, mm -hmm. dealing with your emotions. So it's a little bit of emotional intelligence, a little bit of, of NLP, and it's about being comfortable with yourself, with your mind and your body and your spirit. And then last but not least, is talking about nutrition, what you put in your body, whether it's food, whether it's pharmaceuticals or whatever it is, whatever you drink. So being aware of what you put in your body, so being strong physically by being strong mentally and emotionally, and then being strong as far as being aware of what you're putting in your body. So these three pillars for youth when they're younger and having that part of their identity of who they are, Yep. So that when they do grow a little bit old and they venture out in the world, they're coming from a good place that they can make a positive difference in the world because they're strong, happy, and healthy. So we're starting at the beginning and super excited to build a brand from yep. scratch and to do something really, really special with it and to go into a school, work with youth, work with kids, to give them the, the necessary tools and resources they need to become free to become happy, to become strong, to become healthy. And I think that's how you're going to change the world is by giving kids the tools and not only tools, but the resources to be sustainable themselves, to go out there in the world and do whatever it is they want to do, whether they want to be a lawyer, whether they want to be a driver, whether they want to be in technology, whether they do what you or I do, yeah. it's going to help them to be better. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a thing that I wish I learned back when I was young too. I think it took me until like, 35 or something to <laughs> figure out how important nutrition is alongside of being fit or mentally fit. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And I guess you take that too on into your uh, coaching business too, right? Where you focus on similar pillars there. Like how does that work? Great question, Sean. I don't know if it's necessarily the same pillars, mm -hmm. but both opportunities, having a startup, getting into building a brand, mm -hmm being an executive coach, working with senior leaders, both of these opportunities have to do with becoming better. And I think that replicates my life where I started, you know, my father was one of 15 blue collar worker. My mother was the son of a tobacco farmer in Virginia, very blue collar, which was very awesome. Growing up with sports, going to high school, dropping sports, hanging out with the fun kids, experimenting, doing crazy things, mm -hmm. and then coming back to sports. So I've learned as I hit pause and look back at my life is that there's so much to learn because we're always changing. And, and when you can become self-aware 
and get clear on what you want in life and where you're going, you can then work on yourself and you know, do the things that you need to do to be better. So with executive coaching, I'm very fortunate. I get to work with some really successful people who are quite bright and good at what they do and they want to be better. Yeah. Right? So they have that appetite to want to be better. So to be in that environment for me is just a blessing. I'm very grateful for that opportunity to work with leaders who want to be better, have more of an executive presence. They want to delegate more effectively. They want to listen. They want to coach better. They just know that they could be better. You know, that got me really excited. And being able to work with, with individuals to become better, I thought about it. I said, you know, if I work with 10 or 12 leaders in a year, right, what kind of an impact can I have on those companies and the people? And then I say to myself, well, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. And that's where status comes in on the other side, yeah. where I believe that we can have a major impact on, on the entire world by really reminding everybody to dream again about what they want, where they're going, and the things that they're doing to get there. So for me, it's just a field day to be able to do executive coaching and the opportunity to build a brand that inspires and encourages people to dream and be a better version of themselves. So it's like, it's a win over here, win over here. And it's like one plus one equals three for me. It's like, what special mm -hmm. comes out of that? Yep, definitely. The topic I really wanted to dive in with you on today, so it's Memorial Day, and thanks again for taking time on a holiday, too. I know it's uh, good to get a little bit of time on your busy schedule. So we're in the middle of this pandemic with coronavirus. It was a shift that happened overnight, bringing everyone at home, changing the way we work, the environment. And now as we move into this next phase and start the new normal, it affects in so many ways, both as a company, the way that we operate and the environment that we're in, us personally and kind of like our beliefs and what we value as important. I'd love to talk first here around just like the environmental side of what the new normal looks like. What do you define this new normal as and what is the environmental change that it creates? I think you probably guess what my idea of new normal is, right? It's an opportunity to be different, to do different. It's an opportunity to look around and hit pause and say, what's really happening, right? Why is this happening? What am I learning about myself, about my business, about the environment, about other people? For me, it really is an opportunity. I was speaking with somebody recently, a client, and we're talking about, you know, what does it look like and what are people doing and everything from restaurants, separating tables to are we going to greet each other when we see each other and shake hands and you know, all these different possibilities. You know, what we were talking about, the opportunity we have here is to create whatever we want to create. We don't have to sit back and wait to say, well, what's it going to look like? What are people going to do? It's more about what are we going to do? What are you going to do? You've got this blank canvas. You've got a paintbrush in your hand. What are you going to paint? You know, what is it that you're going to do different now that you've, or we, have experienced this time out, right? There was this health issue and it affected everybody on the planet, some places more than others. And we were sent home, right? Everybody's in a timeout, go home, continue your lives, but you're now at home and you can't come in contact with other people, but go on with life as usual. But you can't go out and you can't do all this stuff. And we're like, well, you know, what's really happening here, right? There was an issue and how does that issue impact us you know, personally? And what comes to mind for me is health. 
that those who are being affected most have pre-existing um, health issues. And it could be impacted everybody, but that's who it's impacting most. So for me, it's like, well, what are we learning here? We're learning how important it really is, is to be of good health, to take care of yourself mentally and physically as well. For me, it's an opportunity for change. Seeing everybody walk around with masks over their face and not being able to be in contact with each other, you know, it's an opportunity for us to say, you know what, I'm going to take better care of myself so that I reduce the risk of being exposed to something in the future. And that's number one. Number two is, you know, really about resilience. It's another opportunity for us, for us to pay attention to, you know, as a world, as people, as businesses, as individuals, how resilient we are and how resilient we can be. So this is just another example of something not good happening, affecting the world. And that's when you see the resilience of leaders step up in business and you see individuals step up in life, start leading, you know, a new way out or confirming that everything will be okay, right? So it's, it's an opportunity for resilience and leadership and health and in technology, like you and I are communicating now. We're on video. How this, this pause that we're taking is reminding people that technology really is important. It's very important for us to communicate and it's, a, it's an important resource to have as we move forward in life. So technology is important, health is important, resilience is important, leadership is important. So these are some of the things that surface for me as far as you know, taking this time out, what are we learning? And then it's a matter of incorporating these things into the future as we paint our way to wherever we wanna go. Yeah, you know, as you talk about resilience too, um, I think it was the CEO of Honeywell that talked about resilience and like supply chains, right? Uh, and how we go like now local to local, right? Having much more distribution in our supply chains and things. Are there other ways now you think like as you take those topics and bring them into the business world that you feel like are big changes or are there big questions as leaders that we're not asking right now that we should be? Right. Yes. To the second part, other uh, questions that we should be asking. Supply chain. Yes. Right. It's um, the reminder too that as the world is changing, we hit pause. How important our local economy really is. Mm-hmm. How important our local relationships are. Right. Like when we're on lockdown, who's most important? You're with your family. You're with immediate friends. Your immediate colleagues. When you're now moving around your life and acquiring resources, food, whatever it is, how I know my wife and I were spending so much time with a local farm stand. We're buying a lot of fresh produce locally versus some of the bigger chains. We're buying the necessities that we need. We're buying them locally. So it is an opportunity to really take a look at where are you now in your community, which I think is really, really important too, as there's a lot of things happening politically and in business, we're exporting a lot of our jobs to China. Now there's this thing that's happening. So there's a move towards having things made here in the States again. There's a move towards people and relationships and community and being involved in connection. So absolutely, I'm I'm sure that there's so much more that we can do. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things that, I haven't, you know, asked myself that I should. 
I think you're right too about um there's almost like the mental impact on individuals that this has too of even us asking ourselves what's really important to us right and it brings a lot of people now more into this realm of the importance of social impact and uh, making a change that's positive beyond yourself so do you think there's a lot of new opportunities now that this creates? I know you alluded to a little bit before. What do you feel like some opportunities here may be coming out of this? Yeah, I mean, one that comes to mind is relationships. Mm -hmm. Whenever something happens, good or bad, relationships surface. So let's use the example of recently what's happening. Mm -hmm. We're all sent home. We're reducing our exposure to many different things. And we're leaning on our relationships, you know, whether it's at work, whether it's personally, is we're really seeing the value of people and the value of purpose, like you had suggested, and having those connections. So as we move forward, it's likely that, that many people start to think a little bit more about the relationships they have with their employer, with their business, with their employees, with their peers, with others. People are starting to or should consider just evaluating those relationships, how to make them stronger. When things don't go well, that's when we're reminded how important relationships really are. So, so I believe it's a really good opportunity to take a look at those relationships, you know, both professional and personal. And are they where you want them to be? And where can you build on those relationships and help to make them stronger? Yeah, that's a, a great point and just a great, a great thing to think about. Now I'm already like I'm lost in thought thinking about ways that I can, I can change and improve them. So I guess speaking of that, right, bringing it back a little bit into your coaching business now, I think what's often overlooked by outsiders is how different executive coaches can be and both what they do and how they make that happen. And when we first started speaking, I learned a lot about your approach that just completely excited me because of how immersive it is and how different it is. Do you want to share a little bit more about what that's like and what it would be like working with you? Yeah, <laughs> again, awesome. These are things I love talking about. When it comes to executive coaching, I've been doing it full time now for maybe five years or so. And I've done it most of my life. I've been coaching. But to say I've been doing it full time, this is my career. It's what I've been doing for about five years. And what I've been learning and noticing is that there's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of business coaches. There's a lot of life coaches. There's a lot of executive coaches, leadership coaches. There's just many coaches. I think what's important when it comes to coaching is you're really talking about perspective, right? Because when I have a coach myself and what I enjoy about the relationship is that added perspective, right? I see what I see and that's all I see. I know what I know and that's all I know. Yep. So when you have an opportunity to spend time with another professional who is empathetic, who is really engaged in learning and understanding about you what makes you tick what do you really want why that's important to you very very valuable resource and when you're able to connect with the right coach i think it goes from valuable to priceless you know for someone to listen to understand someone who is on your side who wants you to achieve what you want Right? I have a wife, I have kids, I have friends, I have colleagues, but how many of them actually want to stand or sit with me and want only what I want? Yep. 
not even my wife, right? I love her to death. <laughs> but true. it's not likely she wants everything that I want. Yep. So to have a coach is that opportunity to really explore what you really want, explore how you can have it and sustain it, and build on it, and just continually get better. So perspective is so important. And I think I bring a level of, of added perspective through my experiences of starting businesses and raising different money and having different relationships, not only here in New York, but around the world and uh, spending time with a lot of different successful people, learning about change, learning about different levels of success and the structure of success and being involved with success and failure mm-hmm. and being married and having kids and partnerships and different endeavors allows me the opportunity to come with perspective and a level of curiosity because I really am interested. I want to know what my clients want. I want to know how I can help and how I can help them achieve what they want to achieve. So lots of coaches out there and something else that I've learned about them is that every single one of them Mm -hmm. has good intent. Yep. They really want to make a positive difference. And I believe the difference that makes a difference is that when you can really connect with a coach, when you really have that opportunity to put your arms down, put your guard down and just talk, because that's really what coaching is all about. It's about a proper conversation. It's not about drilling down why, 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 why. It's really about having a conversation about what's important. And a lot of the work that I do with clients is we have conversations. And every conversation is always different. We have no expectations. We'll have a conversation and we'll see where that leads us. And usually it's to a better place. How does someone know when it's the right time to pick up the phone to call you? That's a good question. A lot of people would like to know the answer to that. <laughs> How do you know? It's a good question. How do you know the right time? Well, you know, a lot of people that I work with are, you know, human resources, right? They'll come and say, hey, Rob, we've got a valued member of our team. We want to invest in. They're important to the organization. They're important to the future of the organization. But, right, it's but they're either in their way for whatever reasons. I get in my own way. They're in their own way for whatever reasons, or they are awesome and we know they can be awesome-er if they worked on these areas. So typically, I don't know. They know because they're paying attention. They're paying attention to the business. They're paying attention to the people in the business. And typically, the human resources that I'm working with are bright people, Mm -hmm. and they see the potential and they have the relationship. So it's a really good question, Sean. I don't really know, but it is a really good question. I don't know if I gave you the answer you were looking for. I think what's really amazing about the way you work, trying not to reveal how the sausage is made, right? So <laughs> I love like the immersive nature of like a lot of people out there, I think, think of things like feedback and surveys as a way of understanding how someone fits in an organization and you you shift that all around, kind of turn that model on its head. Don't look at just like an assessment or something, right? I think what's amazing is just the way that you approach things and the the way that we've talked about your business. It's it's really something unique. Well, maybe I can add this, Sean. You know, something that's, that's really helped is along my journey, I learned, and it was later in my journey, probably in the last five years, four years, 
that we all, you, me, all business people, all individuals, successful, working to be successful, we all struggle or we all encounter issues for two reasons. And the first reason is because we self-cherish, meaning we make it about ourselves. I want, I need, why not me? I need, you know, it's that I part, right? Life, I learned this the hard way. Life's not about me, but it involves me. And I think that shift helped me grow as an individual, as a business person. So it's like, you know, the one area is we self-cherish. When we can make it not about ourselves, that removes so much pressure, so much stress, so many obstacles, so many barriers, and it allows us to work at our best to help contribute, help bring something to something. So that's one area is when we self-cherish. Another area is when we are attached. So we hold on to something too long when we should really let it go. We hear that expression, if you love something, let it go. And if it's meant to be, it comes back, right? So there is that attachment. I can say in my life, when I hit pause and I look back through all the different things I've done, my biggest struggles when I was not at my best was one of those two things were happening. I was making it about myself or I was really attached to something that I couldn't bring another level of perspective to the situation because I was so attached to it. So when you're able to just cut and let something be and not make it about yourself, everything changes. I wish I learned that earlier in life. Yeah, that ties really nicely back to, I guess, two things we were talking about with the new normal. One, you were saying really the opportunity here is relationship building, right? And relationship building is something that it's about the other person. It's not about you, right? It's about building that value. And another one too, I think that uh, you didn't really get a chance to talk too much on, but in how does a leader move in the face of this new normal, there is probably a really good chance coming out of this as we move into like the next phase that leaders lean back on their previous successes. And the new normal now may challenge those successes that we can't do things the way we used to do before. I think that's a a great answer. And I think that leads to a lot of other questions that I'm sure uh, in the future we'll have to have another uh, episode on and dive deeper on. Yeah, it's interesting, Sean, you know, what leaders are going to do, where we go. We're talking about change, right? So this is how things were. This is how things will or can be. It's change. You either be a part of change or change will take you on a rodeo, right? Good examples are like Toys R Us or you know, Radio Shack. These are companies that were good at what they did, but they didn't change when the environment around them was changing. Mm-hmm. So those companies, those organizations, those leaders who are paying attention, not just to what's happened recently with the epidemic, but that's consistently paying attention to the environment and their business and what their clients are doing and what their clients want most and how they're meeting those needs. Those who are paying attention, who are aware, who are embracing change, will always figure out a way to be successful and adapt. The same way IBM had adapted when they were making mostly hardware and and different computers. Now they're more of this technology data servicing kind of organization where they were the one, now they partner with many. They're a good example of paying attention to the environment and being a part of the process of change. 
And I think that's going to happen too to many different organizations now. I'm sure there's going to be those who are going to fall that we haven't heard about. They're falling, and they'll probably be more confirmed in the weeks and months ahead. But those leaders and organizations who are paying attention, who are getting in front of change, they're being a part of change, they're paying attention, I think those are the companies that are going to excel and continually do well because it's change. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it's even then like the value chain and disrupting that too, right? Like you look at Walmart, that their whole strategy was about going into really small towns and building that way and disrupting the whole way that like that storefront is done. And then you go to like Amazon, who now later changed and disrupted Walmart, right? And I think that that, that just continues to happen. And yeah, something like this kind of event is just a catalyst to make that happen faster. I'm trying to be rude. Something else too is um, when change knocks at your door, and the door's already open, it's, it's coming in, is there's a part of change that we just don't know. And I, and I think that sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that we have to know. You need to know. When in reality, I think what's better is being curious. Yeah. Being curious to learn what, or be curious to being open to what's possible. It's from a very young age, we were told you have to know, right? In grade school, you gotta know the answer. You gotta know this. You know, even with parents, you should know this right from wrong. You gotta know. So from a very young age, we're always told you have to know. Mm-hmm. Now in the professional world, yes, you need to know your role, your responsibilities, you need to have skills, but we don't always know the answer. But when we're curious to find the answer, I think is the difference that makes a difference. So I learned for me, one of my best qualities, and I learned this the hard way, mm-hmm. is when I don't know. Yep. When I don't know the answer, when I don't know what's happening. The faster I can get to being curious, the better I am. So for me, when, when I don't know, <laughs> some people laugh and smile. I'm very eager and excited to say, I don't know. And yep. sometimes the response I get is, why are you so excited? I said, because I'm now getting to the point I'm super curious to figuring it out. And that's where innovation takes place. That's where change takes place. That's where success begins its momentum is when you don't know and you're curious how. I think that's very powerful. So it's okay not to know. But if you don't know, you better be curious to figure out how. Otherwise, it's a different outcome. Yeah, that like brings us full circle back to the beginning when we talked about challenges, right? At first, you look at challenges as something unexpected that disrupts what you were trying to do and your, like, your pattern. But as you become more successful, challenges, you start to seek them because that's where the opportunities are. Yeah, that's exactly right. I know for me, when I don't have any challenges in my life, in work, um, I, I become eager, mm-hmm. seeking them. Where are they? Right? So I've become programmed to look forward to them. Yeah, definitely. As we wrap up here, if you could make everyone in the world do one thing differently after this discussion today what would that one thing be only one huh yeah <laughs> i would really suggest you ask me about three now one <laughs> one if it was one thing it would probably be around doing it would probably be around being right versus doing what's right so do the right thing and doing the right thing requires a different mindset which is about it not being about you. A lot of times we talk about being right. Being right means I'm right, you're wrong, right? In a very literal sense. Yep. I think doing the right thing 
is more about being aware that there are other people involved in the situation and making it not about you. So my suggestion, if I could, where there would be a positive difference is for people to do the right thing versus being right. I think that would be very helpful. Even myself, I can practice that more. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's uh, amazing. Yeah, you just tend to, to fall into that way sometimes. It's an excellent point. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, good question. Is there anything? We asked all the right things, Sean. I, I, I enjoy our conversations. You listen to understand. You really do. You're good in conversation. I enjoyed this conversation, like all of our conversations. I think, it, I think it, all the questions, all the right questions were asked. There's always more. Yeah, there is. And speaking of, where can people go to learn more about you, uh, your executive coaching business, and uh, status sports? You can check me out at robertpaulson.coach or status-sports.com. Excellent. And thank you so much. It's been awesome to have you on. And I look forward to having you on again in a future episode. You're awesome, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care.